Welcome to the Business of Design podcast. I'm Cheryl Horn, Director of Operations for Business of Design. A lot has changed at Business of Design since this episode originally aired. For the latest information and rates on events and membership at Business of Design, head to businessofdesign.com. Enjoy the show. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 26, Upselling Ahead. If you're thinking I don't sound like Kimberly, you're right. She's currently biking through Italy and she's asked me to fill in. I'm Cheryl Horn and I'm the Director of Operations for Business of Design. I've worked with Kimberly for 10 years now. Many of you are familiar with me because I've spoken with you if you've had questions about our membership or I'm on the webinars with Kimberly. Um, But this is my first time hosting a podcast, so hang in there with me. Uh, Kimberly recorded this episode with Shida Luca Tomasi, who you may remember from episode 13, Managing Clients. Uh, Shia is back and this time with some great advice on how to upsell your existing clients. Something a lot of design professionals, including Kimberly, are not very comfortable with. By the way, you can learn more about any of our awesome podcast guests by checking out our website at businessofdesign.com. On there, we've got descriptions of the show, some of the takeaways, bios of our guests, and we also have some recommended courses so that you can learn more on any of our topics. I got a chance to listen to Shai's episode, and the three questions that he asks before attempting to upsell are genius. He'll tell you more about them, but essentially, Shai asks himself, does this new product that I'm trying to upsell complement what the client is already buying and what they're looking to achieve? Will this new product benefit the clients? And of course, is this client willing and able to spend more? I think you'll really enjoy this episode, and you can think of Kimberly riding her bike through Sicily as you listen in. Enjoy. Welcome to the Business of Design podcast with Kimberly Selden, brought to you by Business of Design, a coaching community for independent designers like you. We all know design matters. At Business of Design, we think designers matter too. a couple of announcements before we jump right into our episode. We do have continuing education courses available online if you are a member of an association and still need to get in a few hours before the end of the year. You can do that right from home on businessofdesign.com. And as well, many of you have been waiting and asking for this course. Kimberly's flat fee contract is now available as a master course on businessofdesign.com. I never think of myself as a salesperson, and yet every single day in my career of choice in the interior design industry, I'm selling stuff all the time, right? I'm selling myself, and I'm selling goods and product, and Shai is really good at this. I've seen this man in action. I would buy anything from you. So I have I, a swamp to sell you in Florida. <laughs> okay, not that, but anything else. Um, start by talking, uh, about let's address first how we sell ourselves and how we can get comfortable in that capacity. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, that that's, that's the first thing that we're selling. We're selling ourselves. So, so even before we get to sign a project or sign a client, we're really trying to make that first connection and sign that contract, which essentially is selling ourselves and our business. So I think that, you know, um, we're, we're a little bit, um, not a little bit, actually, we're a lot luckier than, you know, we were only 10, 10, 15 years ago, where now, uh, you know, as designers, we're able to showcase our work on uh, via social media 
or on our websites. Right. Whereas years ago, I remember when I started, I had you know a, a big portfolio, almost like a, a model that I'd walk around to things with and and or to consultations with. They'd have to actually then show the people the work at that point, and you know it was, it was always You're so right. Well, yeah, it's easier now. It does, yeah, it's much easier, and people can pre kind of see what you've done so it's not a surprise to them when you show up and they say oh you know we really really don't like that or that's not really our aesthetic uh they've already kind of pre-screened you if you will that's good that saves us all time doesn't it oh it saves a lot of time and i think it saves a lot of time and it also saves a lot of angst because i think that if if a client has has seen your work uh seen what you've done um, whatever it is, uh, you know, obviously word of mouth is great, uh, but to be able to see something always, of course, helps. We're, we're, we're human beings. We are very visual people or visual uh, uh, animals. So we, 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 if we can see something, it, it oftentimes makes sense to us. But sometimes, you know, word of mouth, you know, he was great. She was amazing. She did this. She did that. It's nice to be able to see it. And it also really kind of um, checks off that, that, that box on your list of, is this designer somebody who really designs to my aesthetic have I seen something that he or she has done that uh you know that kind of speaks to me and having that out there being able to have them see that kind of makes them feel better about that initial consultation but also as a designer I feel better going into it because I know that they've already seen my work right and now what about the fact that they've seen your website so they've done some pre-selecting I love that um it's true it's so much easier now but how can I do a little humble bragging? How can I let the client know if they don't ask the right questions that I have a certain skill set or that I'm really good at managing trades? How do I get those humble brags into the client's head? You know, one of the things that um, one of the things that I think that is important uh, when it comes to designing with some clients is. They'll come flat out and they'll want to know where you went to school, what trades you work with in terms of are these licensed trades, are they not licensed trades. And I find that if they have to ask these questions, it's, it's easier if I can come out and I just kind of like bombard them with these, these, these facts at the beginning in a really organic way. So I have to preface by saying in an organic way. You never want to show up at a consultation and, and although – it is an interview. It is a job interview. So don't, you know, by any means, don't by any stretch of the means think that it's not a job interview. You're getting paid for it, but it's a job interview just the same because we charge for our consultations, whether or not a project comes from that or not. So, so, you know, we're having this conversation. You're, you're testing me. I'm testing you. I'd like to be able to surpass your expectations and not have to have you pull that information out from me. There should be nothing about who you are as a designer or what you've done as a designer that you shouldn't be proud of. So whether or not you are, uh, you know, you've gone through a degree in design or you've done a diploma in design, you should be proud of what you've done. So, you know, go out there, hold it out, say it proud and, and, and be able to sit down and talk about it. We spoke, you and I, Kimberly, um, about, uh, you know, meeting with a client with kind of a list of questions and things that, um, uh, we oftentimes lead clients to ask particular questions because it just makes it easier if they kind of see a question that we say, these are our most frequently asked questions right. and it gets them thinking about something. So we also, 
uh, you know, when we sit down and we introduce ourselves, we tell them, you know, we are a boutique uh, style firm. Uh, we've been in business for this many years. Um, you know, just and I always say in kind of like a casual manner, just, you know, a little bit about me. This is my education. Uh, uh, this is what I studied. Uh, this is as long as I've been in business. Um, and, and I make it a little bit more informal than kind of like a very formal almost interview. Right. Uh, it, it, it relaxes the client. You're a little bit more relaxed. It, it Because at the end of the day, you know, you're going to, if, if this does go through, um, a client will more often than not choose a designer that not only they enjoy or appreciate their aesthetic, but somebody that they feel like they can get along with. So if you can bang that out right at the beginning and you've given them that really kind of comfortable feeling that, you know, you're you're open about who you are. You're honest about who you are, and and you're kind of you're 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 friendly about it. Um, I think that that's a that that can help. I love your idea of a frequently asked questions, and if you had that printed out, I think it would be yes. so much easier to present the things in that uh, document than it would be if I had to say them off the top of my head. So for example, if you've got frequently asked questions printed, uh, one of them might be, have you ever had work published? And then that would give you an opportunity to say, yeah, we've been in the following magazines or in the following blogs. Uh, We've been on this show or that show. Uh, I would be shy about bringing that up firsthand. But if it's written on a piece of paper and I just have to refer to it, it's a little bit easier. So that's a good idea. Maybe it's a Maybe it's worthwhile including those frequently asked questions as part of your contract so you always have them with you at that consultation. I love that. Absolutely. And, you know, the other thing is, is, I mean, with technology the way that it is now, whether or not you have a laptop or you have an iPad or whatever it is, I find, and, I, and, I'll, and I'll do this all the time with clients, is that initial consultation, I'll open my website right there with them. And, you know, so I know they've been on it already so because they've said, you know, I've seen this project or I looked at this. And... You know, if in passing you happen to pass by your about page or you happen to pass by your your bio, it's always nice to, oh, you know, bring it up that way. So it's not like, you know, you're you're, you're throwing it at them. It just kind of came up organically because, oops, look, I'm passing it on my website. So there's ways in which to do it. it. It has to obviously work for you and your personality, but there's always a way to do it. Yeah. So we... If we can get over the hump of selling ourselves, then we're going to find ourselves with a new client. And that's really exciting. Uh, From there, we have some more challenges when it comes to salesmanship, don't we? Because often we meet the client and they say to us, the budget is $50,000 and I want to renovate the kitchen, the bathroom, the the backyard, uh, the living room, and I want to build a new ensuite and uh, add an addict. And you know right then and there (laughs) that $50,000 isn't going to cut it. So how do you then um, muster the courage, I guess, to A, tell the client that $50,000 isn't enough, prepare them for the fact that it might, in fact, be a lot more, uh, and maintain your integrity through that process? So, you know, I think um, the the easiest way to kind of speak about, specifically with the, the example that you gave, is when a client gives you an amount that you, if you can be so certain right off the bat that it's so, you know, kind of unrealistic, I find that right off the bat, if you were the client and just had said that to me right now, I would say to you, okay, so let's think back for a second, you know, let's, let's stop for a second and, and look at what you've now kind of presented to me as your wish list and then the amount. So I can tell you right now, I would say to a client that a kitchen, let's look at just kitchen cabinets and, 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 uh, you know, a countertop, let's say for example, and a good quality countertop because you want your kitchen to be, you know, up to a certain level. I can tell you right now that that already we're getting to $20,000. 
So if I can give them kind of a example for how much something costs in today's world, and I'll tell you something, I have had, for whatever reason, in the last year, it seems like so many of my clients are empty nesters who are now leaving their homes, who have lived in beautiful homes for 30, 40 years, and now moving into a home, and they haven't done any work in 30, 40 years, so have zero idea about what things cost in the industry nowadays. You know, it's it's shocking for them. So if you can say to them, I'm going to take one part of the example that you gave me, which was kitchen, and I'm just going to let you know that, you know, this is how much this would cost. Sometimes that puts it in perspective for them. Oh, okay. I understand. So, you know, maybe 30 years ago, $50,000 would have, you know, got me more. Today, by using the example that you just gave me, just two finishes in my kitchen would get me $20,000. I understand now that what the money that I'm working with is not realistic for all the things I need. I either need to up the amount that I'm going to be giving you, or I need to roll back, you know, what I can do in that project. Right. Okay. And what we all need to know is that it is not our job to find them things that are so cheap, they can have everything they want for $50,000. And I see that a lot. I see designers who are running around to TJ Maxx and Home Goods and HomeSense and filling their car with cheap stuff in order to meet a budget that is unrealistic to begin with. So be prepared right at the beginning that just because a client throws down a number, it's not your job to give them everything they want for that number. 100%. And I think the other thing also is, is that as as, as designers, I mean, we, the, the, obviously the more experience you have, the better you are at this, but you should be able to know how to kind of bring up to a client where they can save money and where it's absolutely unrealistic. And when I say unrealistic, I mean, you know, you can give a client a reason why they can't save money on a bathroom, for example, or on a kitchen. And if they do come to you and say, but you know what, I had a friend who went to this guy and let me stop you right there. You are hiring me for my expertise and for the people that I work with for a reason. The guy who did your friend's kitchen, that's fantastic. That's great. But then then that's not me. So, so you know, when, when clients hear all of a sudden that, hold on a minute, you know, I, I, he's correct. He's, I, I'm not, I can't, I can't expect somebody to work with a trade that perhaps is beneath the level that they always deliver and expect that that level is going to be delivered. What a client has to understand, again, is that at the end of the day, if they're trying to get you to do things on the cheap because they heard from John or from Mary or from whatever that they have a friend who's able to do, you know, my, how many times have you heard, oh, my brother-in-law is an electrician. He can do it. For, right. No, 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 Run. no, 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 Run no, for your life. I, I cannot, A, I will not manage somebody that's not, you know, part of my trades. B, you hired me on the projects that you saw. I can't deliver that project with your brother-in-law. I have to use the people that I use. Yeah. And, and I think that that kind of helps that. Yeah, absolutely. And part of it is that we've been at it a while. It gets a little bit easier. So if you're listening and this sure. is hard for you, we get that. But the more you talk about it and the more you hear from others, hopefully, the easier it will get. So then, so then the reality is there's a lot of things that have to happen before we're able to give clients a price on a finished project from start to finish. Um, and I want us to focus on how do we get that client to spend a little bit more money? And I don't mean I want us to trick the clients into spending 
more money. That's really not what I'm saying at all. But the reality is sometimes a client, let's say they hire you to just do the kitchen. And while you're there just doing the kitchen, you realize that the adjoining hallway is a big hot mess. And no matter how beautiful the kitchen is, it's right open to this hallway, which is really going to impact uh, the overall impression of the money that they're spending in the kitchen. So how do you have the courage then to bring up the fact that, you know, if we would tackle the hallway at the same time, it's really going to increase your enjoyment of the kitchen. What would you say to designers who are afraid of that conversation? Okay, so I think that the I'm going to give uh, listeners now three tips that I kind of keep in my tool bag that are the three questions that I ask myself even before I say, okay, yes, I'm now going to kind of start my spiel for the upsell. So the three things that I always ask myself are, one, does the product complement the item that the customer is buying? So this upsell, this this thing that I can kind of see the hallway in your example, does it complement what the customer is already buying? And and we'll get into why I say that in a second. The, the second question that I ask myself is, will this product really benefit them? So am I just saying, oh, you know, or, really, or is it really going to add some added value? Is it really going to have a great benefit, benefit for them? And three, I should know by that point or, or at some point, are they really willing to spend more? Are they that client that says to you, $50,000 that is all I am spending. That is my final, you know, I can't go up anymore for whatever reason, whether they want to or whether they, but if you know that about the client, then that'll also help when it turns to the upsell. So, right. so if you go back to the first one, does a client compliment the item or sorry, does the product compliment the item that the customer is buying? This goes or, and, and pertains to upsells and, and kind of cross sales. Um, when it's relevant to the original person, purchase, if you will. So, so when you're upselling, you see it as a, uh, almost as a better version of what they're buying into, or is it a project that goes together with their purchase? Don't, it's much easier to be able to explain to a client um, why it is that you think that this is better when you can say to them, it, it's a compliment to what you're doing and not almost as a side thing. Sometimes clients will feel, and sometimes we are doing it, we look at one room and we see the potential in another room and right away we jump into that. If you can make a more organic segue into it. So it, it, the reason that I'm, that I'm saying this is because I'm pulling it back to what you're hiring me to do. That to them makes more sense. Okay. He's not just trying to get another, you know, to, to, to perhaps increase the sale or, or make a uh, bigger project for himself. The reason he's saying this is because it somehow complements what I'm hiring to do now. So it's not so unrelated that, to the initial purchase. The initial purchase is the kitchen, the hallways adjacent, or uh, you look out into the backyard and you can see the patio furniture is from the 1940s right. and you think, you know, you're going to be standing at your new kitchen sink every day. Should we tackle yep. the patio as well? So relate it to the initial project. Related to this, thank you. The second one, will this product really benefit them? So sometimes, and I am guilty mm-hmm. of this, I will say I do this. Uh, you know, I'll look at something, I'll be like, oh, that would be so great to have in client A's home. And I have to really think about it. And I say, well, is it just my love for it and thinking that it's going to be amazing in their space? Because it might be totally an aesthetic thing, which is, by the way, okay, but be honest about that. Or... Is it a benefit to them? So how does it benefit them? It might benefit them in a, in a physical way. Perhaps it benefits them, you know, in uh, return on investment. You know, sometimes we'll have clients who will do big overhauls in their home because they're looking for a sale. Uh, you know, it, does it return? Is there a return on their investment for what I'm what, what I'm trying to sell them to do? Uh, you know, it, it, so so be a little bit 
analytical Mm -hmm. when it comes to the benefit of it. Well, too often, I think we stop ourselves because we say, oh, that's going to cost them money. And we forget that, yeah, it's going to cost money, but it's going to deliver satisfaction. It's going to deliver lifestyle. It's going to deliver enjoyment. So think about that benefit and then sell the benefit. Don't sell the thing, sell the benefit. That is it. So going back to that kind of logic behind if you were, you know, uh, uh, when we talk about working with, with clients and needing to have that logic behind what we're saying when it comes to big spends. I mean, th- think of yourself, put yourself maybe not in the client's uh, shoes as a design client um, uh, relationship, because as designers, we can see the bigger picture, but put yourselves in the shoes of, oh, I don't know, going to go buy a car. You know, we, we, we look at something and, and think about the way that a car salesman will say things to us about things that perhaps we could care less about, except if he puts it in a way that we understand the benefit, which makes it personal to me. Okay, well, that makes sense. You know, do I really need the heated seats? Well, when you live in Canada, you need the heated seats. You do. You need the heated seats. Let me tell you, people, I love the heated seats. I love the heated seats. My husband hates the heated seats. I don't get that. Doesn't everybody like heated seats? What's wrong with my husband, Shy? What's wrong with him? Isn't the thing, isn't the thing that there are those people who are constantly cold and there are people who are constantly hot? Yeah. I mean, Chaba, Chaba is like your, my husband is like your husband. He, he's constantly, constantly hot. I'm constantly putting the, uh, uh, the air conditioning on because I'm constantly, uh, sorry, I'm constantly putting the heat on because I'm constantly cold. You okay? So, exactly. Yeah. You got. You get me. You get me. <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So heated seat. If you did, and and you know, sometimes you don't even know that feature is available. So that's right. the other thing. Clients sometimes don't even know. Like, oh, I didn't realize I might be able to have a you know whatever fill in the blank an industrial dishwasher. I never thought of that. Yes, they're paying you for that. I mean, you know, we have to understand that when a client pays you the amount that they are paying you, they want you to think outside of the box. I mean, they're not paying you to do the same thing that they can walk into any big box store and buy whatever it is, because, you know, what's the added value in that? We're bringing something that they don't have. We're bringing a skill set that they don't have. So, you know, Make sure when you're selling and you're doing that upsell that that skill set, that that added value is always front and center. You're always reminding them, look, I'm bringing, you know, what I brought you, the reason that I'm bringing you, this is the benefit. And I love nothing more. I think the best thing a client could ever say to me was, oh, I never thought about that. See, that's why we needed a designer. I mean, that to me is, is, is the best, is the best because it just really means that I am doing my job. I am creating something that A, they weren't allowed, they not allowed, they weren't able to do on their own, but B, I'm, I'm doing something that's different. They can see the added value in, uh, in the upsell and in, in the design. Yeah. Oh, Oh yeah. I couldn't agree more. And then your third one had to do with, are they even the type of client who is willing to spend more? And the only way I think you can find that out, isn't it, um, is to provide them with an option, maybe just a little bit outside of what they are telling you is their reach and see what happens. Or maybe you have other ideas how you figure out, how you figure that out. You know, yeah, you know, I think... um uh, here's the thing is that is that like you had said at the beginning uh you know you can never really tell a client how much something is going to cost until you've done 
you know, some work and, and understand what the exact the project is. So if it does, if you walk into a consultation and, and, and a client says to you, I have 50,000 and you know, off the bat, it's a lot easier to say to somebody, I know that 50,000 won't be enough for these logical reasons. But if they say to you, well, how much is it going to be? Well, I can't answer that question right now. And I think that, I think that a lot of designers will just get so almost their back up against a wall because they're so worried that, oh my goodness, I need to answer this question now, that sometimes they'll throw out a figure that is the most detrimental thing that you can do to yourself and to that project because without doing the research behind it and, and, you, and you haven't been able to do the research at that point because you've just met them and you just kind of understand what the scope of work is, then you are doing a disservice to yourself because oftentimes, more often than not, you're going to come I mean, it's never oh, going to yeah. be the right You're amount. You're never going to so, get it right. Hit the panic button. No. Mah, mah, mah. Yeah, pull up, exactly. Maverick. Pull up, Maverick. It's bad. <laughs> it's really bad. That dated me right there. That whole t- Top Gun reference <laughs> just really yeah, dated no, I love me. It. I love it. I love it. So, so are they going to spend more? But you're right. You know, you know, say to, uh, there are there are those clients, and as time goes on, as a designer, you become a little bit of a psychologist, and you learn to read cues off people. I can read cues, and I'm, and I know Kimberly, you can. That when you meet that first person, over the years, I'm able now to tell when someone says to me, "This is the max," I can often tell if that means. Eh, there might be a little bit more, there might be a little bit of room, or sometimes, I mean, I'm really good right now at people who are saying to me, this is, I mean, this is it. This is really, yeah. this is our nest egg. We're, this is, we're putting into it and we can't go above this. You'll, you'll learn. I, I, and the reason that I say nest egg is because you're, you'll learn to pull out words from what people are saying, which will be triggers to things that you understand. So when yeah. people start talking about I've saved years to do this, mm-hmm. be really, really, um, conscious of that budget because what we you and I or perhaps some of the design community out there see as a small amount that for them is a lifetime of savings oh so so and and we want to be respectful of that and in no way do I mean to imply and I know you don't either um that it's our job to get people to spend as much as possible really what I want is I want them to end up with the solution that will make them happy and unfortunately too often they give us a budget that doesn't match the solution they're looking for a hundred percent and that's the point where you say you know let's sit down and i am respectful of your budget now i also want to be respectful of what can be done for that amount and i want to make sure that what we're going to do for that amount is whatever it is if if it's only rolling it back to now just your kitchen i want to make that kitchen the most spectacular kitchen that you can have for that amount and i think that Saying things like that and choosing the ways in which you word things will make them feel a lot better, A, about, because sometimes, you know, if we say, oh, no, that's, you know, that's not enough, you can't do that, it it diminishes, A, what they have, B, sometimes what they can actually afford, and if you can say, okay, you know what, we can't do that, but I can, you know, let's talk about maybe rolling it back to this, because that's a lot more reasonable, and, you know, we can, we really want to make sure that, like I say, when you walk out of this and when this is all said and done, you might not have had the entire home done, but the one room that was done, you got the best quality, you got the best bang for your buck. It's gorgeous. It's, it's everything. And who's to say that, you know, five years down the road, 10 years down the road, you don't do the other room. Yeah. So it, it, it's, it's really about, you know, the way in which you word it. 
And, you know, I have also had the experience when I was starting out where I really did stick to their budget because they told me that was the budget and I believe them. And so I did go sourcing for the least expensive items possible. And then they were annoyed with me that I didn't bring them better quality. So, and that's really confusing. You know, when you're first starting out, you're like, but you told me you wanted to spend 50. And so I worked really (laughs) hard to allow you to spend 50. And then they're angry at you. So it goes back to what you said, which is you do have to do a little sleuthing. You do have to be a bit of a detective. Um, Notice how they're living now, what their lifestyle is like. One of the things that we ask uh, when they first call our office uh, is a question which is seemingly quite innocent. But the question is, is this your primary residence? And the reason we ask it um, is because we're trying to figure out, do they have multiple homes? Uh, In which case, I know that they're living in a certain lifestyle and snack bracket. And it means, you know, it means a that's a different customer than the customer who says, of course, it's my primary residence. Of, of course, it is. I only have one and it's only half paid off now. I like both of those customers. I like both of those customers. I have no intention of not working with uh, the customer who has a small budget, but I do need to know what I'm walking into. Absolutely. I agree. And, and you know, I think one of the other things that I think um, makes that upsell or, or can be a tool, you know, in your tool bag is is when it gets to the point where you are doing an upsell for something specific. So let's get into a second, you know, some, you, you were talking about more broader kind of, you know, the living room uh, into the hallway or into the, into the kitchen. But when you're looking at products and, and you're able to show the clients what the benefit of uh, uh, that upsell is. And when I say that, um, sometimes, you know, uh, we're, obviously, we're selling our services and, and, and clients agree. Sometimes you need to be able to show a client, when it goes back to that logic, show a client what you mean by, listen, I think, I understand that when you look at uh, Sofa A and it is $2,400 and you look at Sofa B and it is $12,000, you say to me, there's no added value in, in that $12,000 sofa. They look the same. They feel the same. Okay, let's break it down. So I will take the time to say to a client, you have to understand that when you sit on a sofa at the very beginning, it might feel fantastic because no one has used it. But let's break it down and understand what you're getting. Let me show you what is on the inside. So I will take the time to say, you know, you're getting this construction, you're getting this type of wood, you're getting this, 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 and this. And I am showing you where that money is going. You might not be able to, you might not be able to see it, looking from the outside, right. but you have to understand that there's so much more going on on the inside that you are paying for. So, you know, and being able to show them that is, 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 uh, I find a, a key tool. Yeah. And everybody has a different point that they'll get excited about. Like for some right. customers, I'm going to be, a, I'm going to give a gross generalization here. I always yeah. joke that the husbands will buy anything that has a remote And, um, you know, that, that could be true or not true, but that's, I kind of joke that that's the truth. Um, where I find a lot of times the females don't care as much about whether or not the blinds have a remote, the audio system is remote, et cetera, et cetera. But they care very much about the draperies and the guys are like, nah, I could care less if there's anything on the window. So, (laughs) you know, but your point is if you've made the suggestion, then don't just give up, be able to tell them why you're making the suggestion and what the benefits are of that upsell. 
You know, it's it's funny because in the example that you just gave me now, I mean, as designers were constantly thinking, as upsellers were constantly thinking, you gave me the example of the husband that says, I don't care what's on the on, on the windows, I just care you know about my TV. But okay, that's fine. Your optimal TV viewing is going to be affected by the fact that you're gonna have poor window treatments. Oh now they're right. now they're into it, right? Now, now you now fine. you've convinced them that you've you're on the ball. Exactly. <laughs> So true. Okay. So the other thing is, um, I am always telling the people that I coach, don't be afraid to suggest a splurge. Everybody likes a splurge, right? And again, people will splurge in different categories. My husband splurged on a midlife crisis car. That wouldn't be where I go, but I will splurge on a purse that's expensive. And I can't believe how expensive it is. So it's okay to show a customer something that you know is outside of the price point, but which you think is going to make the project really special. Oh, I I agree. And, 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 you know, there's, it's those splurges, it's those, whether it's a little thing or it's a bigger thing. Um, it's, it's, it's always, like you say, it's always that kind of that special thing. So, you know, the client always looks at it and it was like, yeah, you know, it was, it was, it was a little bit of a splurge, but don't splurges make us just like you say, always feel a little bit better. I mean, it was, yeah, I shouldn't have, but I treated myself. And when we can say we treated ourselves to something that was special and maybe we paid a little bit more than we had hoped to, it was okay. Cause it was something that made us feel better. So we always know that, you know, we gifted something to ourselves. It's about that psychology. It, it, it's it's saying, I, I was good about everything else. I did this little thing just for myself. Yeah. And we, we deny them that opportunity if we don't bring them from time to time something that's outside the realm of what they were thinking about, right? Absolutely. I mean, I think that, you know, the unexpected, I always say every good space has an unexpected something. And, and when I say that it could be an unexpected piece of furniture, an unexpected finish in terms of like design styles or, or, or whatever it is, but for the client, it could just be something that's unexpected that they didn't think, they didn't even think about because perhaps, you know, uh, uh, like you say, um, it, it was outside of the realm of what they thought you know, was appropriate or, or, or right for the space, or maybe they didn't really think about that little splurge because they were so worried about the, the overall kind of uh, uh, price points of where everything else was going to be. They were so concentrating on the big picture that when you bring them that little thing, it's, it's, it's a bigger thing to them. Right. It's really a little thing and it's always a nice feeling. Right. I know too, when I do the presentation and I'm going through the price of everything, it does feel good to be able to say like, oh, this item was very inexpensive. Can you believe it? Or, you know, I found this vintage coffee table. It's a great shop. It just came in. It's $475. It's perfect. I think we yeah. should grab it. And then a few items down, I'll say, okay, you remember the coffee table that was so affordable? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, here, here's, here's why that matters because you know, this light fixture is going to blow your mind, uh, but it's definitely not in the category of affordable. So if you can kind of help them look at the whole package rather than individual items, sometimes that can help too. Absolutely. Shai, is there anything that we haven't covered in terms of upselling that you think we really should include as part of this episode? Uh, um, let me see. So we did... I mean, I think the the uh, overall kind of umbrella statement for upselling, really, uh, when it comes to upselling, cross-selling, uh, trying to get more money out of clients that perhaps, uh, you know, said to you, this is really, really where we want to be. 
I think the best thing I can say is remember that it's really not what you say, but it's how you say it. So if you can come up with the proper way of presenting something to a client, even the most difficult or challenging of clients when it comes to an upsell, um, I think that that really, uh, and for lack of a better term, softens the blow when you're trying to get a little bit more money out of them. Because again, you know, it goes back to what a little bit of money is for me, maybe for them, you know, for whatever reason, that year they had private school to pay, whatever it was you're getting money, you're taking someone's money. So if you can figure out a way how to say it, uh, whether it's the logic, whether it's showing them, whether it's uh, uh, whatever way that you need to do it in order to make it seem worth their their money and their while, I think that that's really going to help in upselling. And that's hard for a lot of us to even talk about money. I mean, most designers, when you say, what do you charge? They stumble and fumble and can't even spit out of their mouth what their hourly rate is. So imagine how difficult it is when they make a presentation to a client, say this light fixture is $18,000 and the client said, are you out of your mind? Like you have to be ready to say why you're going to why you presented this as being something they really ought to have. It's sculptural. It's going to fill the second story space that otherwise will be empty and leave the whole place feeling unbalanced. When people come over for a party, it's the only thing everybody's going to notice. Everybody will comment on it, et cetera, et cetera. You know, one of the things that I I think that um, I most remember from school. And of course, I remember many things, but one of my professors, and she was my art history professor, um, when we graduated the interior design program, I remember her coming up to me and we spoke about, uh, she at that time was talking to me about rates and, you know, what, what interior designers charge. And, and this was in New York. So, so, you know, the, 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 the fee schedule in, in a metropolitan center like that was much higher, obviously, than maybe some of the smaller cities, uh, wherever you are. Um, but, the the idea was, um, you know, if you're taken aback by the question when someone says what to charge, she said, think of how that would feel if you were sitting at one side of a desk and at the other side of the desk was a plastic surgeon. And if you say to that plastic surgeon, I want to get whatever procedure done, done, and well, what do you charge? If that, if that doctor starts hemming and hawing about and it seems uncomfortable about what, there is no way. Right. <laughs> you you're are not touching me, buddy. <laughs> no, you're not touching me. She said, so, you know, think about a person's home so as almost like a temple. So, you know, you, they say our body is our temple, but this is their home. Their home is their castle, uh, is, is the cliche. You are touching that personal thing to them. If you're iffy or unsettled yeah. or uncomfortable about saying what you charge, meaning, that you're a little bit of uncomfortable about what you think your value is, then, you know, as a client, I would second guess wanting to hire you. That's such a good point. And by the way, nobody's rushing uh, to line up to get plastic surgery by the guy who's the cheapest. No. <laughs> right? That, that just, no. that's not a thing. So it's okay to have a rate that is consistent with the value and experience you bring to the table. And then it's okay to stick to that rate and not negotiate it. 
let, let, let me say, not only are people not lining up, but there is a whole TV reality show based on those people who went to cheaper countries to have it done. So you wow. don't want to be, you don't want to be that person who has that project no. done by a cheaper design. I no. do not want to be that example. Exactly. <laughs> okay. I'm going to end with some rapid fire value bombs like we normally do. And I know I had you on before and I asked you your favorite clause in your contract. And that was great. You talked yes. about change orders. So I'm yes. not going to ask you that this time. Instead, yes. I I'm going to ask you, where are some typical spots that designers should really be upselling or cross-selling? Can you give us at least three examples where designers should be upselling or cross-selling? I think the first one, which is probably, to us designers, seems the most uh, logical, but oftentimes uh, the clients it's not, is the materials used in the kind of architectural phase of your of your project. So when we talk about upselling and cross-selling, most times people will think about the actual accessory, like uh, something that's tangible, that they can see, that's an accessory that, oh, okay, I paid for this lamp, this, you upsold it to, you know, maybe a, a, a different style or, or, or something that was a little bit more uh, design savvy in terms of what you're looking for. But I think that it starts before that. So when when we're at the phase of cabinet building, of choosing floors, of all these things that are not necessarily things that people see, upselling is really important there because the upsell there and the added value that they're going to get for those things is going to be something that's going to carry through the years much more and will be much more of an added value at the end of the day or return on investment, if you will, uh, than you know the upsold lamp or the upsold sheets or the upsold whatever it is. And that's not to say that we shouldn't do that. But I think that sometimes designers who start out forget that the upsell needs to start at the architectural, uh, when you're choosing the architectural features, just as much as when you're choosing the finishes. That is such a good point. And here's my um, confession, if you will. Sometimes, yeah. not not as much today, because I really feel like I've got well-oiled systems, but I'm going to go back 10 years ago. 10 years ago, I was so busy. I was running so fast. I was so crazy run off my feet that when it came time to think about that kind of stuff, the easiest solution was paint and some crown molding. And I was not really giving clients my full attention when it came to other enhancements that could really make a difference. So I'm thinking of how many times uh, I missed an opportunity to do a great paint finish or to do a wallpaper or we're doing now an office and we're putting... uh, cuts of leather, square patches of leather on the office ceiling. It looks so good. It looks so good. I know 10 years ago, I wouldn't have had time to even think about that. It would have been paint. So you're so right. Right. Like just that, that fundamental package or envelope that you're working within, spend some time thinking about what that might look like. Maybe you're going to recommend paneling or beautiful crown mold and higher baseboards. Oh, good one. Good one. What do you think does a disservice to designers in terms of being profitable? Okay, so I think that um, there's, a, there's actually two big things in my mind that do a disservice to designers. And one of those things, people are going to laugh when I say that, is reality shows about homes, about design of homes. Hey, wait a minute. And I, <laughs> wait a minute. Yeah. <laughs> no, that totally makes me laugh. Go for it. <laughs> okay. We're on TV. You remember that, right? I, I, Totally going to give you an example, though. Why? Are you starting a reality show? No, (laughs) I'm not. I'm not. Not at all. I'm going to totally... So I think one of the things... I'll start that again. 
So I think one of the things, there's actually two things, but I think the first is reality shows about construction and interior design. And the reason that I say that is because there are some great ones out there. Uh, there are, of course, like the more lifestyle shows that you and I both work on, uh, Kimberly, that are factual. Oftentimes with these reality shows, so many things happen that are visual or aesthetic only, and people don't understand and it's just not it's not because they're trying to hide it but there's a lot that goes on behind the scene that people don't know necessarily uh uh you know that has brought the project a to the visual that they are seeing on their screen is it something that's permanent is it something that um you know did the client have to add more money for what was the total budget i mean these are all things that they don't know and we see things and it's brought to us so easily and it seems that my goodness, these TV people are doing a project in 48 hours. Well, you can certainly get something. <laughs> yeah, well, they're no, doing it in 48 know. hours and we're seeing it in 22 minutes, right? Exactly. You're so exactly. right. I you mean, are so right. You know, we, you, you and I work, work on TV. We will do segments that sometimes take, you know, however many hours it takes to do those segments. And when it's all edited down, it's a minute 30. I mean, TV is not, is not a truth teller in terms of reality TV because there's so much that goes on behind. So I think that that does a disservice because people just don't understand. Now, from the flip side of that, there was a great, you know, growing up, one of my absolute favorite, favorite TV shows was Trading Spaces. For people who who, right. who who know it, yeah, Do you of, course. That show? of course, Carl Loans was yeah. uh, on episode number eight, and he oh was goodness. on this show for eight years. Uh, and I did an episode of Trading Spaces in between another TV show I did. It's super didn't fun. Know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I loved that show, and I thought it was so fun and so creative. And by the way, I think it's coming back. <laughs> I think they were saying they're having some sort of a reunion or something no. like that. That is beside the point. Oh my gosh, but too funny. I remember one episode that sticks out in my mind so clearly. And I, I, I'm not going to, you know, we no need to bring up the designer, but there was a designer who had done a treatment on a wall that included uh, gluing hay on a wall because he was trying to create some sort of barn I feel or whatever that. it was. Do you know that I remember this totally? I'm sure you do. <laughs> <laughs> and so he put hay on the wall and I remember <laughs> thinking to myself, that is the biggest fire hazard I've ever seen. Yeah. And you know, it, it's, it was great TV and it ended up looking fantastic. But as a design professional, you and I can look past the aesthetic of it and say, hold on a second. A, that's not to code. B, that, you know, all these things. So I think that, you know, we, we, we have to understand as designers, we, I'm able to laugh about it. I tell the story all the time to clients. And I think that having that story, you know, for, for people who are listening, you know, being able to tell that, that little, that story that I told, please feel free to use it, is a great way to say to a client who says to you, I saw this on TV, you know, I'd love to do that. If you find yourself in a situation with those types of clients that see things on TV and immediately want that done in their home, it's a great story to kind of say, hold on, let me put you, let me give you a reality check right now because it looked great on TV, but that's not reality. Right. So number two, or, or my second kind of uh, point to, which, which is uh, somewhat of a disservice to us as the design community are the, um, 
overstock stores that are out there. And when I say that, I do not mean by any stretch of the imagination to disrespect the those those stores because I think they're fantastic for for certain things. But I think that it takes away from the reason that something is in an overstock store. We we need to understand this is is a couple of reasons. It could be they're you know uh, they they produce too many and there were quality issues with them. It could be that they are so old that they're no longer kind of you know trendy pieces. It could be many reasons. But what you always need to understand is when you're going into an overstock store or one of these big box stores that sells overstock items, there is a reason that it's not in the main shop. Whatever that reason is doesn't necessarily mean that you know it has to matter, uh, to, to, but there's a reason for it. So why do I say it's a disservice? Because as designers, we always try to be you know, cutting edge and bringing the latest and the greatest. And we want to make sure that our clients are getting the best of what we can offer. And if, if you are saying to a client, I'm recommending this coffee table for $4,500, as opposed to, you know, the client says, well, I can go to this store and I can pick up a coffee table for $250. Well, yes, you absolutely can. Of course you can. But Will it have, A, the design sensibility that we're looking for? B, uh, is there, you know, an issue with it? C, is it on trend? B, is there a quality issue with it? You know, what is the reason that it's there? So is is saving that money worth all these things that you just said right now? Mm-hmm. More often than times, not. So so don't, and, and again, I, I have to preface by saying, these stores are fantastic for perhaps accessory shops or, you know, maybe, maybe uh, um, you know, a, a, an occasional piece or whatever it is that is not um, a main piece that you might be recommending for a client. But when clients say to you, oh, I'd like you to go to shop A uh, as opposed to store B because shop A is kind of like that discounted what. Well, no. I mean, that, that, that doesn't really answer to the design sensibility that we're working with. Price point is not always um, in line with the design sensibility that we're working with. So we have to understand that if this is the design that we're working with, we have to be able to then say, I'm okay with understanding that this is my goal. And to get to my goal, I'm going to have to put the money into the product. Whereas just picking something because it was cheaper is not really going to finish it the way that you expect. Right. And it's, again, it's not necessarily my job to find the cheapest possible solution uh, for the client. I really want to leave them with a project that's going to look beautiful and last beautifully for many, many years. And um, I can't make those kinds of guarantees if I'm not buying from uh, sources that have uh, proper recommendations or proper warranties, et cetera. You're so right about that. Thank you so much again for coming back. It's so fun talking to you as usual. And we bonded over some TV shows, uh, including Trading Spaces, (laughs) which is so fun. I'm going to look for that reunion. Thank you for telling me that's coming up. You're You're welcome. Yeah, no, I'm looking forward to the next one. All right. Talk to you soon. Thanks, Shai. At Business of Design, we know it takes more than hard work and talent to successfully run a professional design firm. There are proven business strategies that can solve your immediate business challenges and transform your life. Don't try to do this alone. Join today and you'll have access to more than 100 video courses, plus access to Kimberly Selden as your mentor and guide. Unlike traditional coaching, which can take years to produce tangible results, 
EOD is a fast track to immediate results for independent interior designers, decorators, architects, stagers, and landscapers just like you. Monthly membership is only $67.50. Annual members save two months and have access to Kimberly's contracts. What are you waiting for? Together, we will achieve extraordinary results. Start today.